Hey, yo, welcome in to the CHGO White Sox postgame show. Coming to you live from Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow our CHGO White Sox community leader at Ecknerwall23. And uh, I think this is our first time with the new score bug. Look at that. That's very pretty. It's super easy to work, too. Looks, oh, my God. It's a thousand times easier. Nice. And it looks cleaner. So there you go. You can see the White Sox won. Yay. Yeah. I had mo- money on the other way. Yeah, we so had money I'm, on the Timebacks. Yeah. But uh, whatever. Congratulations, yeah. White Sox. As uh, Fred says, Sox Padres, the race to 100 comes down to the wire. The White Sox need to win two out of three versus the Padres, who are... Currently, as it stands, still in the playoffs mathematically. But if the Marlins or Cubs win one of the last four games that they play, the Padres will be gone. And it seems like um, Blake Snell will not be starting in mm-hmm. any of those games for the Padres. So uh, two out of three ain't bad. Seems feasible. We'll see what happens. Uh, they get their nope. 61st win of the day or nope. the year. And the White Sox are throwing their best pitchers. Cease. Clevenger, and I think on Sunday, I forgot who was going to be pitching, so... It's a, it's a, I mean, how can you forget any names in this just dynamite rotation? Probably Schultons on Sunday or something like that. It's their best pitchers, but we can't name all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's what's-his-face and, you know, who's-his-face. Who it? <laughs> um, it is Cease, Clevenger, and... Ch- I, honestly, I'm, in my opinion, their best starter. Their best starter? Uh, Tukey just pitched today. I'll sit here for until you name it. Yeah, you will be forever. Um, Take your time. I am lost. No, this is good entertainment. For the person that you're you're referring to. Go, play, play, play it through? Yeah. All right. Let me so just, you said it's not Tukey. Not Tukey. Not, not Clevenger. Not Clevenger. Not Cease. Okay, so this is you name four of the five guys. Who is the fifth guy? I'm just so name lost. the fifth pitcher the, for the White Sox. I was like, it's not Kopech because he's on the IL, so... The only reason I know this is because I looked at his name. Okay. So I don't know. Uh, no, I, we're, honestly, I don't mean to put you on the spot here. I think, this is, I think this is a great, great just example of what the 2023 White Sox not Lane are. We'll Ramsey. ask Vinny when he joins. Not... Um, Sarah, do you know? Don't even. I have okay. no idea. <laughs> right. So you who have hosted the White Sox Does any podcast, of the people who are watching know? I don't know. Does the comment section, is the comment section, uh, oh, there you go, Matthew oh, Lucas gets it. Oh, I forgot it. Jose Urania. Jose oh, I Urania. forgot he was on the team, <laughs> even though he pitched the other day. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, he didn't really shove, as they would say, uh, against the, the Diamondbacks. Uh, shout out to AJ, uh, who is, uh, had a blast at the ballpark today uh, with the 23,000 strong uh, that they're there for a dollar uh, <laughs> ticket day uh, from the, uh, it's not that. Yeah, Goose I, Island, the Goose Island landing. I mean, what, what it used what to be was, called the Goose Island landing. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed your day, AJ, at the the Goose Island landing. We you don't know. we don't use the. And he that, said he was working. He said he was working from home too, right? Working from home. Yeah, our, our home ballpark. So yeah, had like the computer out. Had, <laughs> he, hey, you can get a lot done, especially during a three to one boar fest that was the White Sox uh, D backs. Even though the White Sox did go over the fence two times. Well, it was funny because that first inning, you see Carroll get on. Mm-hmm. Right, I forget. I, I don't forget. This game was you know, what, a single. I think he gets. Yeah, and then stolen. He steals a base, and Corey Lee seemingly had a great pop, mm-hmm. but it was just his long arm swing. And I, I'm giving 
you know, trying to give Corbin Carroll credit here yeah. because it really seemed like Corey Lee knew he was running. Mm-hmm. It was a good pitch to throw on. He got a great pop on it. And honestly, like he just needs to be to shorten up his arm uh, slot or arm swing or whatever, mm-hmm. arm motion to get Carroll because Carroll is so fast, got a great jump, didn't waste any movement and got in there perfectly. And that's why he's got 50 plus stolen bags. Yeah. And I think if you do shorten up your arm sl- slot, you will have less velocity on the ball so maybe you wouldn't have it as good as you would if you would just throw it for full force but I say hey you tip the cap that man's got what 55 stolen bases now as a rookie and we're talking about last mm-hmm. night in uh, Cunha going 40 and 70 that's a person him Bobby Witt Jr. that in the future might challenge Acuna for that record that he has right now. I mean, hey, if this is now a new thing uh, with the pitch clock and uh, the uh, pickoff rules, uh, then it's just going to be 40-70 every year. Uh, that might be fun. Uh, let's get, maybe let's get into, well, wait, let me finish the first inning there because I thought it was just interesting that mm-hmm. Carroll steals that bag and then Cattell Marte tries to bunt him over. Yeah. Like they're playing small ball in the first inning. The Diamondbacks were looking to get one run today and Off they thought th- if they got that one run that they would be good. <laughs> they could just put the White Sox away if they got a lead in the first inning. It's Tuki Tucson too. Right. And remember, <laughs> the thing is, the man was at second base. Cattell Marte is a switch hitter, but he was batting left-handed. Just hit the ball to the right side of the infield. Literally. You would uh, do the same. I know he didn't get the bunt down successfully, but I think he was more trying to go for a hit there, which, you know, smart. But also, I would not. If I have 25 home runs, I'm the second batter on the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm not bunting for anything. Well, I, I mean, the the play was weird because the he, he got down a great bunt and ended up going foul. And I and DJ or uh, uh, Lennon. I'm, it was uh, yeah, Lennon. Connor McKnight. Steve, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Len and Steve ended up uh, yeah. discussing just that it would have been an impossible play for Tukey because it was like halfway down the line. So Vaughn still had to cover first base yep. and Corey Lee really couldn't get to the ball quick enough. Um, I guess Corey Lee has the easiest throw there. But even then, when Tukey picks up the ball and tries to throw, um, he's basically going to be thrown at Marte's head. Uh, but then, yeah, he pulls it on the ground uh, to second base to, to move Carroll over to third. But then Tommy Witt gets on, he walks, and he's got 21 steals and three caught stealing. But he doesn't actually try to steal the base, which makes no sense. And Christian Walker strikes out in <laughs> a high curveball. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you guys tried to play small ball, but didn't do it. So you guys got way too much into your head. Maybe, you know, Christian Walker just should have went up there and tried to hit a home run like he did twice on uh, Tuesday instead of, you know, just really focusing in on one run. Um Anyways, uh, on today's show, we'll talk a little bit about Yohan Moncada. We'll talk uh, about new senior advisor to pitching, Brian Bannister. Uh, and we'll start off a, a little bit with something that happened last night in a completely different baseball game. Uh, what'd you make of the whole Ronald Acuna stealing his 69th and then 70th bag of the year? Uh, and then in the 10th inning, once he stole that 70th bag, he picks up the base, uh, celebrates, and then they play a highlight montage. We saw Boog, Shambi, and JD uh, have some umbrance with it. Uh, what'd you make of the whole faux pas? I thought you should always, every time you get a chance to celebrate, celebrate. And especially a historic number like 40 and 70. Like, 40-40 was a huge thing. I don't know what, there's been four guys that do that before Acuna did it. Not that many people did 40, 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases. And it is, uh, he blew past that. 70 stolen bases. And I know bases are bigger this year. The pickoff rule, it lends to more stolen bases and successful stolen base attempts. But for J.D. and Boog to go off, 
I get what they're salty because they're in the top of the 10th or the bottom of the 10th inning. It's a 5-5 game. Their team has just blown the second time to win the game in consecutive innings. So they're a little salty already because of that. They know the inevitable's coming. But I would say you should be more mad at your manager that chose to still pitch to Ozzy Albies with a 1-1 count with the base open. I get it. It was one out, I believe, at that time, too. So let's force a double play. And, you know, you got Murderer's Row coming up next. It doesn't matter. It's the Braves. They're, they got a bunch of hitters. But I would have walked Ozzy Albies there. And David Ross had an atrocious series, absolute atrocious series. But you should celebrate most of your victories, especially accomplishment like that. And I guarantee not a damn word would come out of Boog's mouth, nor JD's, if that's the Cubs. If they're doing that for, say, Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, etc. PCA. Yeah. If they're doing that for them, they're not doing, they're not talking. They're not saying a word. They're sitting there in the glory of it. Oh, man, what a great thing. This guy is this, that, and the other. So that's the hypocritical stuff that I don't like. And he could say whatever he wants to. Boog say whatever he wants on on New York Times interview to Ryan Glasspiegel. I just think... You can't. You got to be consistent with your with your criticism. If the Cubs would have did it. You would not have said a word. So I don't want to hear it when the other team does it. Do I not. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that I have an issue with is just Acuna stealing the bag and then playing a highlight montage. I'm fine, especially with him in his own park, hitting that milestone, getting the 70th stolen bag, 40-70. No one's ever done it before. And him getting 30 seconds, minute, shit. If they're generous, minute and a half, standing out. But let's get the game on. It's the 10th inning. You fucking kidding me? Come on. Do, they're going to have a home game tomorrow. Do you know what you could do before the game starts when there's enough time to do stuff? Pre-game festivities. Like playing a highlight montage for a guy that did something. I mean, give him a, a standing O when he comes up to the plate today, too. Who cares? Do whatever you want. That's fine. I guess just the highlight montage might have been a little bit over the top. It's like, okay, we're playing a baseball game. We're going to have now Acuna lift up the base, a highlight montage. Uh, Nickelback's going to perform a quick concert. We got a fireworks show. Then we'll resume the game, pick it back up with Acuna on side. I mean, they did it for Cal Ripken Jr. when he broke the record for but most games played. It wasn't the 10th inning. He did, what, that, what, wait, he did that in the fourth inning? The fifth and they inning, knew it was it, happening? When it became official. I would say... I don't care when it's done. It doesn't matter. Well, it's playoff implications. As I said before, all the games leading up to that game had playoff implications. The Cubs would have won two more games in April. Guess what they wouldn't have been doing? Do the, are these games not important to the Brewers? Are, they, are these September games important to the Brewers? Why? Because they won more games in April and May. They did their work early. They did their work on Friday. Cubs are over here like Sean in third period, when in the fourth period, <laughs> when fourth period math is needed, he's fucking writing down the, the answer. C, 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 C. And so... I wasn't that panicked. Do your work early, then you won't have these things at the end, and then you won't be crying about this, that, and the other. I get it. It's a tough, it's a tough pill to swallow. The team is blowing a bunch of saves late in the game. But don't take it out on Rhino Acuna. Don't take it out on all the, the fun that the Atlanta Braves are having. If you want him to not celebrate things, 
Throw him out. Get him out. I know it's easier said than done. But also, when he does an accomplishment, especially stealing two bags in that game, you just got to sit back and wait for him to do his thing. And I have no problem with him. Celebrate all your day. If it happened to the White Sox, I would do the same thing. I would feel the same way. I think that if Jose Altuve this offseason hits seven home runs, that they should actually stop whatever playoff game is going on after he hits his seventh home run, his career 30th postseason home run, after he passes Manny Ramirez, a record nobody cares about, and they should play a 15-minute highlight montage of, of every... Yeah, honestly, and, and play the extended cut, play the at bat, <laughs> see how it came out and, and came to be. Play the trotter on the bases. I mean, I don't, I don't who cares? You know, I mean, if we're gonna be celebrating everything, celebrate it all. You know, I don't really care. I don't care, and I actually life is tough. I mean, you guys at your home, you know that life is hard, and if you want to celebrate even the the most minute thing, celebrate it. And the dude made an accomplishment that people will be looking back at and say, hey, that was the first guy who went 40-70. What a grand achievement. They didn't do it after the game. They just won the game. What, they have a special ceremony after the game just so you guys, uh, Cub fans, can be, not, um, can be happy? How about this? Your general manager get a closer or not Palencia. Because every time I see that some bitch come to the game, <laughs> it's bad. So... Maybe just go and get some better pitchers. Maybe you won't be in this situation. You get the out in the ninth, the three outs in the ninth. Guess what? There's nothing to worry about. You get Ozuna out, nothing to worry about. You don't see the celebration, maybe until today. And real quick, uh, shout out to Eric Davis for his 1986 and 1987 seasons. Uh, you put those together per one. He's still alive. Uh, per 162 for Eric Davis over those two years would be averaging. 40 home runs and 81 stolen bases. <laughs> Insane stuff. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't have too many issues with it, but, you know, it, whatever. People are going to do whatever they do. Honestly, if I if I actually get upset at this, like, you're, you're talking about, you know, the stress of, like, your baseball team being in the postseason. I can't actually get stressed about this. No. I, I do not care. Like, at the end of the day, if they played the highlight montage or not, my life is no different. Exactly. So, whatever. Uh, I would love if a White Sox hit 40 home runs and stole 70 bases. Hey, let's see. Why don't? Why doesn't Luis Robert Jr. put us in this situation? I mean. Right? I mean, I would love to see if the White Sox play a highlight montage if he steals 70 bags. But the only problem with Luis Robert Jr., remember all the times he gets hurt. Oh, yeah. I, was, I wasn't. All the serious. times he gets hurt are stealing bases. The scope injury last year to the wrist. This year would end his career his season was the knee. Whoa. Sorry, not career. End of this season was the knee trying to steal second, did successfully steal second. And so, yeah, I would say no, don't do it because you're not good at stealing bases without being hurt. So just do the 40 home run part. Or if you want to do the 70 40, go ahead. Right. 70 home run, 40 stolen bases, do that one. Just hit 80 and home if you runs. Do that. <laughs> I better not hear a damn person talk about, oh, he took some time off. Why did he grab second base after he stole the 40th bag when he already had 70 home runs? Celebrate that, man. It's awesome. It's a great achievement. And I wish I had Ronald Cunha on my team. I wish oh, so give too. me Kevin Pillar. You see what he's doing? No, what is Kevin Pillar? He's hitting like 290, I think, at the bottom of their order. Like whatever the Braves touch turns to the gold. Kevin effing Pillar. 
Hunter hasn't been that bad for his career. He's got an OPS plus of 76. Yeah. OPS plus of 76? OPS plus. You said of 76? 76. That's, that's he's it? He's hitting 247. This year? Yeah. You, I where, thought it was where higher you than that. Where you see he's hitting 290. There was somebody batting ninth hitting. You feel free to check those out. I don't know. Are you reading the right Kevin Pilar numbers? No, not the right one. I, I was, who was of, in the ninth inning? Was I think you're thinking of Kevin Pilar. <laughs> Pilaf Kevin. Rice. They think it's Kevin. Kevin Pilaf yeah. Rice. Kevin. Pilaf. Um, let me look at the uh, yesterday's. They had oh, the guy who's batting ninth. It uh, was hitting like two ninety. Before we hit the break, uh, and before Herb uh, looks up who's hitting two ninety in the ninth hole Pilar. Uh, for the <laughs> for the uh, Braves, I do have uh, just one thing to bring up. Uh, a good dear friend that I've never met, uh, Ozzy Gian, um, said on the broadcast <laughs> today when he picked Andrew Benatendi to be his uh, pick to click. That Andrew Benatendi has been the most consistent player on the White Oof. Sox. Not the best, Oof. but the most consistent. You bring up Luis Robert Jr., and I don't know what this man needs to do. I don't understand what people need to see from him. I don't know what else he needs to prove to you folks. Since May 2nd, he has an OPS of over 900. So Is that good? For 80% of his season, mm-hmm. he has... Been over an OPS of 900. Hmm. There is not a White Sox hitter right now in the lineup with an OPS over 800. So, <laughs> hey, you know, maybe, you know, 80% is only a B to some people, but I, I think that's consistent enough. Out of what, the, f- the, the, the four out of five months he played in, he was consistent in, in, in four out of the five? Like, that's, that's good enough for me. Andrew Benatendi has been consistently a horror to the eyes. So, uh, you know, just... Fade that shit. He, uh, uh, Chris Kamka of uh, NBC Sports Chicago tweeted out a thing that said that uh, Andrew Benintendi has the highest on base percentage for the White Sox mm-hmm. at like 325. And it was like, there are like five D backs with one that's over the 325 mark. And it was Orlando Arcia. He's hitting 270 with 17 home runs, with a 751 OPS. He was the ninth hitter yesterday. They taught him to hit because that was, I mean, uh, they, uh, it was a brewer, right? Yeah, he was a brewer, and uh, like Cody was talking about how much uh, he hated him when he was a brewer, and like thank God he was on the Braves, or just saying that uh, you know he hated he he was so bad on the Braves, and he doesn't understand now that he's good. Um, but yeah, uh, the Diamondbacks have a three forty one OBP out of the ninth spot in the order today, uh, and that's <laughs> leading the White Sox. We got Vinny Duber in the green room. We'll get to him in a second. We're going to tell you first about our friends over at Ray Chevy. Are you in the market for a new or used vehicle? If you are, then we have some great news for you because Ray Chevy and Fox Lake has just joined the CHGO team. And and when we were talking to the Ray team when they joined, they told us about their pledge, the Ray Price Promise. It's a guarantee that the price you see online is the price that you pay when you go into the dealership. Um, We found that in many cases, other dealers will raise the price on you when you come into the dealership, asking things like, are you a recent college grad? Are you active in the military? Are you a farmer? And in most cases, the answer will be... No, no. Uh, and that's why, uh, or and that's when other dealers will raise the price on you, saying the price online included limited rebates that you did not qualify for. At Ray, that is not the case. The price you see online is the price you pay with no add-ons to the price ever. And in fact, Ray will do everything possible to find additional savings for you, which may make the price lower than you see online. As one of the top-selling dealers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and save big at Ray Chevy because they now have over 100 Chevy Trax models available at 
uh, starting at $21,495. And now through September 30th, all buyers can qualify for 0% financing, make zero payments until 2024, plus put no money down, and best of all, pay zero hitting fees with the Ray Price Promise. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or visit or yeah, or visit uh, RayChevrolet.com, serving the community since 1963. Find new roads. Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake. RayChevrolet.com. Uh, and that's where you get to check out the Ray Price Promise, get to see all those lovely prices, and then you get to go into the Ray dealership and say, hey, I found this price online. And they say, hey, let's get you the best deal. Yeah. And there you go. Boom. It's a promise, folks. Uh, and finally, want to let you know about Goose Island. Uh, Herb, what you drinking? I'm drinking a delicious 312 from our folks at Goose Island. Is that your favorite? You know, let's just say we had the Goose Island magical fridge here. Okay. And and you would open it up, and it, it just it's it, it holds one beer. Okay. Right? You know, it holds one beer for Herb. And you think of it, you, you think, I want this beer from Goose Island. You open the door, boom, there it is. What, what would be behind door number one? The Matilda. Okay, there you go. Yes, that is my favorite beer. I've just tried it this year for the first time. It's been around forever, but it is undoubtedly a great beer, not just a good beer, a great beer. Go check it out. Uh, they got the 312 that Herb's drinking. They got the Matilda that is his favorite. They got the Beer Hug Families. You could try all four of those flavors. They got the Full Pocket Pills. And, of course, if you want to feel festive, there's a chill in the air, folks. Go try their Oktoberfest. They got the uh, seal of approval from our uh, uh, typical producer, Stephen. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, Courtney, my fiance, got some uh, Goose Island uh, Oktoberfest beers the other day. She enjoyed them thoroughly. Boom. There you go. They've been Chicago's beer since 1988. CHGO supported by Goose Island Beer Company. And go enjoy their beer thoroughly. Uh, grab an ultra fresh brewery exclusive beer at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. Vinny, it's almost the weekend for us, uh, and we're going to welcome in Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Go follow him at Vinny Duber. Uh, do you have a favorite Goose Island beer? Uh, it's 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 basically our weekend. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you're going to the park tomorrow, but, uh, you know, I mean, hey, TGIF, what beer would you be cracking? If you had the magical Goose Island fridge, what, what's Vinny's beer that, that would be behind the Goose Island uh, uh, beer fridge? Oh, we're having the issue again. Uh-oh. He's in the green room. Uh, hold on one second. Yeah, you did. Steven was having this issue. You have to, like, make him go live. You're all good, Vinny. Um, no, he, he's, like, currently in preview mode, so you have to make him go to live mode. Um, yeah, Vinny, now talk. No? Okay. okay. All right. Uh, is the volume up? Yeah. Are we good on the volume? Okay. All right. We'll, we'll troubleshoot Vinny, and we'll get back to that. Uh, I was going to ask Vinny about Brian Bannister, uh, yeah. new senior advising to pitching. Um, I did like uh, ass. Oh, sorry. Uh, there's the all sports scene. Yes. Um, also, <laughs> with their acronym being ass, uh, and they uh, brought up the idea of senior advising to pitching. Uh, so, like, I they they were thinking, you know, like John Hammond, Mad Men like a pitch. Okay. Uh, so then I thought of the idea. There's the meme of John Hamm in a Mad Men meeting, uh, looking with a, you know, a blank uh, board behind him, pitching an idea. And it just says, get outs. <laughs> <laughs> I have this great idea for you. Get outs. As a senior advisor to pitching guys, this is the key right here. Get outs. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Score runs. Get outs. He's like, that's, that's what I told the giants. That's, Hey, that's exactly what I told Kevin Gaussman. Look at him now, guys. 
He was like, what? Get out. His head just fucking exploded. (laughs) This is Brian Bannister's master plan. We are all good to welcome in Vinny Duber. Darn technology always updating and then changing the way people do things. And it makes uh, their job a little bit different. And then it it delays, uh, you know, our hardworking Vinny Duber, uh, who's out at the, the, uh, the, uh, Ballpark. Uh, Vinny, we haven't gotten to uh, the game today, so why don't we dive into that, and then we'll get into Brian Bannister. Um, I thought we were going to throw to Brian Bannister's video, so that's why I was setting that up. But uh, we haven't talked much about Yohan Moncada. He's our king of the game. Went one for two with a walk, had a home run, and as you pointed out, in his last 40 games, uh, 18 extra base hits. I don't know if Monkey talked after this game, but... I mean, we heard so much about his back, how much he really wasn't feeling right when he came back uh, in those last, uh, you know, uh, before those uh, previous 40 games. Uh, but he's looking real right, especially from the right-handed side. So uh, any update from Mankata, either from Griffal or the man himself? Yeah, we get to talk to you on. Oh, first of all, man, I really want this magic fridge. But uh, second of all. <laughs> oh, yeah, you didn't, get, uh, you didn't answer it. Do you want to answer the beer question first? I mean, the 312 is so uh, reliable, obviously. You can get it in any bar in town, which is why you got to love it. Uh, but if I had a magic fridge, right, the idea is that the bar at the end of the street has the 312. I can go pick it up there. Uh, the magic fridge, you got to get something a little a little wild, a little crazy. So, um, you know, the Sophie is not crazy, but I like it a lot. Uh, they had something, was it last summer? Two summers ago, I think. It was called Sounds Queer I'm In, which I loved. It was so good. It was like passion fruit or something like wow. that. It was very delicious. So delicious. I don't know if you can get, get that anymore, but I, I, I remember picking up some and being like, yes, I want this. Um, so, yeah, that'd be my answer there. But to talk about Johan Moncada, uh, boy, he's looked good the last uh, month, and, month and change. And I asked him point blank. I go, if you felt if you felt this way, if you felt healthy and unbothered by back injuries and baseball injuries that have kind of dogged you throughout the last few years. Is, is this something you could do throughout the entire season? Is this the kind of player you'd be through the, for the whole year? And he didn't just say, yeah, he said, Oh, if I felt like this, I could do more. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, he knows the kind of player he is and I don't think he's been able to show it in four or five years at this point. And uh, you know, that's been very frustrating for him. It's been very frustrating for White Sox. It's been very frustrating for White Sox fans, obviously. But if you want something at the end of what could still end up a hundred loss season to, you know, put on the wall and say, well, at least we got that to look forward to next year. Healthy Yohan Moncada is, is looking like the guy who you, you would expect him to be. Of course, it's going to be the same story as it's been the last however many winters. Can he stay healthy for the whole year? Can he be the guy who is pain-free and feeling like this over the course of an entire season? We finally saw Luis Robert Jr. do it for the most part this year, even though he's going to end the uh, season on the IL here. But we haven't seen it from Aloy Jimenez. We haven't seen it really from Yoan Moncada since 2019. We haven't seen it the last few years from Tim Anderson it remains the big thing with this team and this core. And if it's going to stay together, if those four guys are going to be back next year, it's going to be the number one story again. And uh, certainly though, when it comes to Moncada, here you are getting a glimpse, even if it is just a brief bit here at the end of the season of what that can look like, what healthy Yoan Moncada can look like. It it sounded like that back injury was pretty bad guys. I mean, like it's, you know, I think everybody is so sick 
of these guys not being healthy that they've kind of turned it around and it must be their fault that they're not healthy kind of thing. Um, he was talking about it being a sharp pain that he was dealing with all the time. Uh, you know, that that's not good when you're trying to move your back to swing a bat or make a play at third base. And um, it's no wonder when you hear the descriptions like that, that they're not going to be at their full capacity and operating like the players they know they can be. So um Again, no one's using it as an excuse like, you know, oh, well, you know, it, it was actually a good year because he was just hurt and didn't do it, uh, you know, and couldn't do it. No, of course not. They're mad. They're frustrated. They're upset. Um, but if, like I said, if you want to look ahead to next year and this is a guy who, because of what he's going to be making next year from a dollar standpoint, is almost certainly going to be there at third base. Man, if he can stay healthy, you might be able to see this over the course of many months, not just one at the end of the season. And speaking of another person that has pretty much recovered from a terrible July, that Andrew Vaughn, that man had his eighth home run in since the month of August has started. And we recall his first two years here just being worn down. The first year was his first year of playing baseball in that many games, and he was playing left field a lot. And this second year was a a lot more of that, a lot of left and right field, and he wore down again. It's good to see this man hitting the ball with a little authority, even though he missed that pitch that he hit over the fence. He didn't barrel that up, but still had the power to get it up. Did Andrew, has he spoke recently just about how well he's feeling right now? Because the stats back up that he's doing not great, but he's doing good. On the last homestand, I got to talk to him for, for a short while, and he's, he told me that he's feeling good, that things have gone well, that he's focused on making it so it's going to be even better, right? He spent a lot of time in the weight room to try and uh, prevent what, what he experienced the last two years, right, which was kind of, like you said, wearing down at the end of the season, running out of gas a little bit. Um, Pedro has talked about him a few times, including today after the game. I asked, you know, where's the, you know, what, how can Andrew get a consistency built up over the course of a season? Because, yeah, he's looking good right now, but is this, is this it? Is, you know what I mean? Like, this is not necessarily a season that everybody would stand up and go bravo. Like, the, the idea is that he is supposed to be much more. And that's basically what Pedro said. He envisions him being a 31 100 guy on a regular basis and I think Sox fans would probably share those expectations given the way the organization talked about him as a player when he was you know drafted the brief time he spent in the minor leagues and then when he arrived in the majors I think that was kind of everybody's expectation for him uh, as you know high and as good as those expectations are um, but I think you know Pedro's main point was time and as time goes on He's going to learn the league better. He's going to get more accustomed to this. Again, I'm not expecting any White Sox fan out there to expect, uh, you know, to, to sit back and say like, oh, yes, we'll be patient and wait for Andrew Vaughn to, to learn every little thing he needs to wait. Of course not. This guy was brought up because he was supposed to come up and do this right away. Right. But it is somewhat reasonable to hear Pedro say, you know, he's only going to gain more experience. And with that is only going to come more positive results. So, um Again, I don't think anybody wants to see it take three years to get to that point, three, four years to get to that point at the major league level, right? But here you go. And uh, again, if there's something, some sort of positive you want to grab here because we're three days away from the final record being a gigantic negative, uh, you know, as we've experienced uh, with this team the entire year, the one positive you can say is, boy, look at Andrew Vaughn at the end of the year here. Maybe he can figure some stuff out, take that into the offseason and, and stretch that across six months rather than just two. I think it's funny that they're playing the Diamondbacks because, I mean, Christian Walker just won a gold glove, and obviously we see how terrifying he is to us now. Mm -hmm. But 
he really wasn't anything until he turned 31. Um, you look at his years, uh, didn't debut until 2014 with Baltimore, then got DFA'd by Baltimore. Um, last played in a game with Baltimore in the major league level at 2015. Then it took him till 2017 to make it back with the Diamondbacks. Then they traded Goldschmidt um, in the 2018 offseason, giving Walker clear playing time in 2019, became a full starter, had an 111 OPS plus. In 2020 and 57 games, had a 112 OPS plus. In 2021, 115 games, I'm assuming dealt with some injuries, an 88 OPS plus. And then in 2022, his 31-year-old season um, came out with a 125 OPS plus, a gold glove, and then basically did it again in 2023. And he's six feet tall, so we know that he's the same height as Andrew Vaughn. So, hey, maybe it's not going to be there just yet for Vaughn. Maybe he does need a little bit more seasoning, but for a team that has 100 losses, I'm fine with him getting that seasoning and that experience here because, again... You're not tied to Andrew Vaughn from a contract standpoint like you are, Yohan Moncada. Um, but I do think that 2024 is definitely going to be a, a year where they definitely um, try things out and experiment. And, hey, maybe this is going to be the last year, 2024, of Andrew Vaughn in a White Sox uniform. And maybe they think they can get a di- different piece in the, the trade uh, market. Or uh, maybe they, they stick with it. But uh, I'm excited to see Vaughn because, again, the, the pedigree has been so high with him. And um, it does feel like he's getting a little bit more comfortable at first base, too, uh, defensively. So, uh, you know. Hopefully, Vaughn can turn it around. Um, let's talk about Brian Bannister. We'll take a quick break. We'll go to the Banny video, and then we'll ask Vinny about uh, what it was like to talk to Floyd's kid, because uh, he's going to talk about Floyd, his dad, and uh, you know about uh, being a White Sox and all the all the people he knows. And he's going to name five White Sox uh, that he knew from the 1983 team, and mm-hmm. four of them either worked or currently work for the White Sox. So. See if you can guess. Right now, you listen to the podcast or <laughs> watch it. below. The See four. if you can d- get the four White Sox he guessed, right, he, well, he brought up. We'll let you know about our friends over at Fubo. Uh, Fubo TV, they have 140 live channels of sports shows, movies, and news. And you can stream live TV from any device and watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price. You can watch Thursday Night Football tonight, the NFL, the Packers, and the Lions on Fubo TV. And you can start watching immediately with a free trial at FuboTV.com slash CHGO. There's no contract, no cable, and no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. And you get over a thousand hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge. And when you are traveling, you can watch local teams. FuboTV.com slash CHGO. You can watch college football this weekend. Again, NFL on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. They play basically every week. There's college football on tonight as well and Friday. Go KU. Go KU Oop. versus uh, Texas, right? You, have you and Joey got into it? Why he, would we get into like it? He's a Texas guy. Is he? Yeah. Do you oh know my God. Jen? Well, no, we've been busy. I've barely said hi to him. Oh today. yeah, I think he's wearing a Texas shirt today. I wore my a, KU shirt yesterday. A, a burnt God. orange. You guys shirt. have been coworkers for like two years. You guys don't talk. Yeah, that's <laughs> like the two. In like, my defense, Joey was gone for like five months. He was. Yeah, he, he was, was gone for a while. Um, you can also talk about Big Twelve times and how bad. KU was and how badly Texas has beat them every time. Hey, we're and how badly you beat them on Saturday? What? I think they are a football school right now. Well, I, I, that might be one of the games I watch this Saturday. Uh, watch all your favorite college football and NFL with Fubo. Go to www.fubotv.com slash chgo. That's fubotv.com slash chgo to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro, and you can start watching immediately with a free trial as well. Um, and if you are new to CHGL, if not, you're a diehard. Um, I did like AJ's comment. Uh, you and AJ were co-workers today, Vinny. With the 20- How so? He was the, working from home. He was working at the White Sox game. At the light landing, whatever the hell that's called. 
Oh, very nice. So, because the because of the dollar uh, ticket day, uh, so if people sure. bought their laptops. Yeah, I was expecting more people to be doing that, considering they sold. They said they sold all those tickets. But, yeah. Uh, they announced. Well, like they sold them. They announced. They announced the twenty-three thousand. There were not twenty-three thousand people here. Um, <laughs> my guess being that you know, if you see one-dollar tickets for sale, you go, "Oh, I'll buy one," and if I can go, I'll go, and if I can't, it's a dollar. Who cares? Kind of thing. Um, it, I'll tell you this: there were a lot more people here than would have been had they not done that, uh, because you know this was a game that didn't exist until less than a week ago then there was more people today than yesterday same start time right oh yeah many more yes so there you go i mean yeah. hey they made twenty three thousand dollars and more people showed up so they got concessions so there you go i hope jerry got some ideas hey yeah. make a dollar a dollar game every year maybe what they should every do. homestand well, here's my thing. He, he's the, like, hey, pause. Come on. The, calm down. The first game of the homestand will be a dollar. <laughs> then if you like what you saw, the second game will be $2. Then if you like what you saw, you want to see the finale, it'll be $3. You guys ever met Jerry Reinsdorf or any MLB owner? Right, yeah, <laughs> or any person, any billionaire ever. Um, they're all weirdos that want money. Um, anyways, uh, you are... Uh, a, a diehard you're hanging out with us uh we got 17 people uh that have already liked the video hit the thumbs up button hit the subscribe button uh we got you covered for all your chicago sports whether it be white Sox, cubs uh bears bulls blackhawks we got uh nhl preseason and we got you covered with uh nhl preseason postgame coverage mm -hmm. for Connor bedard's first preseason game we have you covered uh if you are a sicko just like us we got podcasts and live shows on every team every day we got post game shows premium written content for members at allchgo.com and we have great events like the tailgate that's coming up on sunday october 1st bears versus uh the Denver Broncos. Um, <laughs> and if you are diehard, you get 20% off events. You get 20% off uh, merch. You get dope merch from all teams. And you get a free shirt when you become a member and access to our uh, CHGO Lounge, our members-only Discord, where you get to chat with all the diehards alike and your favorite CHGO personalities. Did you see the Athletes First uh, RV? Uh, <laughs> it's going to be out there on Sunday. The Winnebago. The oh, my goodness. <laughs> Greg Braggs, Mark Harmon, come on out. This Sunday, 9 o'clock, tailgating with the Denver Bronco people. The DMVR people going to be out, too. Our people are all city people. Uh, and then finally, uh, it's... There's a sunny side for every season, uh, mm -hmm. whether it be uh, summer as we just ended it or fall, football season. Uh, who in Chicago sports made you feel good this week, Herb? I'm going to go with... We'll move on. All right. Good job. Uh, thank you for... Andrew Vaughn. No, he didn't. He made me feel awesome. Mercy. Um, he has 21st home run. I was like, man, what a great accomplishment, which is a career high. Connor Bedard, because he hasn't debuted yet. Um, <laughs> if you are trying to own the weekend, uh, check out our friends over at Sunnyside Cannabis. Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kind of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside is everything you need to elevate your football season. No matter where you are on your cannabis journey, they have easy online ordering and in-store pickup, and they have a great transparency loyalty program sunnyside rewards their illinois favorite dispensary their herb's favorite dispensary his favorite stop is the wrigleyville stop they got stops in elmwood park they got stops all the way north and south beloit mm -hmm. i don't know how south they go but folks they got you covered in illinois and south sunnyside's house of brands uh, include mindy's good news cresco high supply floracal wonder remedy and through october 15th head to sunnyside Dot shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order. One use per customer, and it's not stackable with other promotions. That's not 
only for new customers. Anyone can use our code. So pick up everything you need to elevate your football season. Must be 21 plus or an Illinois med card holder. Sunnyside.shop. Use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order. And now I'm going to look up where the south is placed for Sunnyside is. Um, before, while I'm doing that, Vinny, uh, let's go and talk about Banny, a uh, new face for the Chicago White Sox, senior advising to pitching. What was it like to talk to Banny today before we uh, get in and hear about his uh, connection to the White Sox and, and his father? Yeah, I mean, he, he's happy to be here, certainly. I mean, this is a guy whose dad played uh, for the White Sox, obviously, and he's got very, very, very fond memories of being around this organization when he was a kid. And uh, it's kind of a cool thing for him to be able to come back here. I mean, I think we heard a lot of the same stuff from, from Josh Barfield yesterday, whose dad obviously is from the Chicagoland area. Hey, it's a bit of a homecoming kind of thing. And I, I think there is something that enticed these guys to, to be here. That's more than maybe just a paycheck and, and a new start and an exciting roster or whatever they might think of the roster kind of thing. Uh, you know, there's some connections here and I think that they're excited about that, but um, I think you're going to hear white Sox fans, a lot of things that will uh, make you happy in terms of uh, a guy with some ideas uh, that he's bringing from other organizations into the front office. Uh, I think he's talking a lot about what we talked yesterday about, right? Which is every individual player has an individual way of, of bringing out the best in them. And I think that's what kind of his, his thought process is on pitching. Uh, just like maybe uh, Josh's was on coaching. Maybe the White Sox in general are thinking that way, um, kind of doing things in a lot of different ra- ways rather than making everybody bend to one way. Seems like the most southern uh, location for Sunnyside is either Champaign or Danville. I think Champaign's more southern, but uh, the Danville and one are, are kind of similar line line here. Um, yeah, I got really excited when I read the transcripts and then listened to Floyd. Uh, not Floyd. I'm going to do this. With, I did. I did Just, it with Josh and Jesse. I'm going to do it with Floyd and Bruce. Uh, Bruce. And now I'm seeing. You've Bruce seen Bruce's in the background. Oh, mercy. In the preview. Um, <laughs> I'm extremely excited. Um, there was a quote from 2017 when he was with the Red Sox that I found today from Jeff Passan uh, that I'll bring up a little bit later. Uh, there was this press conference that's about 11 minutes long that we'll upload to our YouTube channel as well. So make sure to check that out in full. Um, but. It was extremely exciting, at least to me, to listen to uh, Brian talk about his pitching philosophy, and we're going to share that with you now. Here's about six minutes that Vinny shot from the White Sox dugout. Thank you to Vinny for his work, and here is Brian explaining what the White Sox mean to the Bannisters. It means a lot. Uh, If you go to my house, uh, where my parents are, uh, most of the photos in our house are at the old Comiskey Park. So I grew up, uh, you know, playing in the kids' game with the Ozzie Gans and the Harold Baines and uh, the Greg Walkers of the world. And uh, those guys are very close to me. We live, you know, next to Luzinski and, uh, you know, Ron Kittle's special to me. There's just a lot of players throughout that time period that uh, I consider friends and, and almost family. And so just to, uh, you know, have, have this logo on me again and, and really uh, build something special for this franchise with, with people that I care about a lot is, is very special. What sort, of, what sort of ideas or, or vision do you show up here with, uh, you know, to try to get this pitching staff to where you think it should be? I think uh, one of the things I've been known for and, and I believe in strongly is there's, there's a lot of ways to get hitters out. And what we have to identify is 
what each pitcher's strengths and weaknesses are. There, you know, some pitchers are, are power fastball guys. Some some are sinker ballers. Some throw split fingers. Some are spin guys. And it's really empowering each department within the organization to know how to take advantage of those characteristics, how to train them on the strength and conditioning side, how to uh, refine it on the analytics side, how to educate them on the player development side, and just really uh, get every single coach throughout the organization uh, really up to speed on all the concepts and where they feel like they can coach and the analytics almost fall into the background and it becomes just a one-on-one relationship again. I think that's when you're firing all cylinders. But then, Some layers to, to pitching, do you have a any philosophy that kind of stands out, what makes a good pitcher and there's a lot to it, but uh, any, any basic precept? No, that's a great question. I, I think when I got to Boston, when I got to San Francisco, uh, I, I talk about you know you have ingredients in the organization when you get there. It's it's the drafts that have occurred in previous years. It's the players that are in the system. It's the expertise of the staff and what they're comfortable teaching. Uh, but ultimately, you're looking to bake the best cakes possible. Uh, you got you got to take the ingredients you have and bake the best cakes. And in Boston, that was a lot of power pitching. It was a lot of spin. In San Francisco, what we had was a lot of sinker ballers, and we leveraged that concept. And we had the lowest walk rate in baseball this year, the highest ground ball rate. Uh, you do what you can with the ingredients you have available, uh, as well as setting sights on the future in the long term of going out and finding the best available arms and then taking them to the highest ceiling possible. You'll be doing major, major league and minor league working across the board? Yeah, it, it's an advisory role. It, it's not a, a pure coach like I was in Boston, San Francisco. Right. Um, I have history with Ethan Katz. He was, I worked alongside him in San Francisco. Uh, many of the people I've already worked inside, Andy Barquette, the minor league hitting coordinator, won a World Series with me with Boston. Um, so throughout the organization, there's relationships that I'm looking to dive in there and, and make players better right away. And uh, we're already scheduling a lot of things to uh, really just empower people throughout the org to go out there and find the best talent available and really just start putting together a team that is going to be athletic, going to win ball games, and the players know what their strengths are and they're going to go out and, and play to the best of their ability. Can you, uh, you talked about you know being able to teach you know pitchers to their strengths and what they are, but can you teach to uh, getting people out with current offensive philosophies? Is that, a, is that a part of something that you can do? Yeah, I think on the pitching side, uh, we say we're always the one that sets the table and the hitters have to eat off our table. And it goes through through trends. Uh, when I got to Boston in, in 14 and 15, we started leveraging high fastballs, more spin. Uh, hitters didn't have a solution for it because pitchers had mainly been pitching at the bottom of the zone with their fastball. They had to come up with a swing to handle the high fastball. And then uh, we were able to then flip that in San Francisco and start sinking the ball again and leverage some of the newer physical concepts to, to really make the ball sink and then hitters had to come up with a swing for that so we're always setting the trends the hitters have to react so we always have the advantage of being the first mover you've seen uh, I'm sure tape of uh, some of the guys that are here Michael Colbeck's up and down you see ways to kind of help them get back to yeah, you know, part of being around the game a long time, I had Michael in Boston. Uh, he was part of the sale trade. Um, I'm a big believer in him. We've already had some initial discussions. And, uh, you know, I, my, my sweet spot has always been helping pitchers that are either coming off a down year or have lost their identity a little bit and really getting in there and building trust with them and, and helping them identify what makes them a productive major league pitcher and just uh, walking alongside them in that process. Do you see any things that are fixable? Uh, 
for, for sure. You know, I know he just had uh, the knee issue, um, but going forward, uh, there are things we did in Boston that I'm looking to also do here, and uh, I think we can give him what he needs to take his game to another level like he was a couple years ago. He worked with Ethan. Uh, what is that relationship like? Uh, Ethan and I went out to dinner last night. Uh, Ethan's tremendous. Uh, very high aptitude. The pitchers have tremendous respect for him. Uh, there's things he's really, really good at, and there's things that I feel like I can compliment him really well at. And I think those types of relationships are always the best, where we compliment each other, we enjoy each other's company, uh, we can have honest, deep discussions about a variety of topics without any pride or ego in the way. Uh, really, ultimately, just to get the most out of the pitchers. And the pitchers sense that and feel that. You mentioned previous relationships, previous relationship with Chris. What was that like? And uh, also, what do you kind of think of his vision for this team moving forward? Yeah, I think uh, he's excited, and uh, I'm excited to work with him. Uh, we were in Kansas City together a long time ago now, 13 years ago. Um, but ultimately, uh, he knows how special this franchise is, and we want to put a winning product on the field, and we want to do it in a way that's sustainable and long-term. And uh, you know, there's going to there's be tough choices, tough decisions that he's going to have to make, uh, but we're going to put a lot of thought into it and, and bring all of our collective talent and experience to the table. And uh, I'm a huge believer in his, and that's a big part of why I want to be here. AJ mentions in the chat, Barfy and Banny have changed how I feel about the Gets hire already. Herb? Your thoughts? I think both of those guys, and uh, I haven't heard from Watson yet, have impressed me. The hires initially, when they happen, very quick to jump on those hires, and there's been nothing but positive words across Major League Baseball for the White Sox acquiring this good uh, upper front front office talent that they have. Now, we said the same thing about Pedro Grafal, as uh, he came highly recommended to. So the results will have to speak for themselves. But hearing them on the mic, how, as Matthew Lucas says, how comfortable they are in front of microphones. And it seems like these guys already have a solid plan and how they're going to attack the people they have on the current roster and people they're going to be looking for in the free agent market or elsewhere to be having on this White Sox team to make them better in 2024 and beyond. And I think the thing that makes me most excited is what we've seen from Bannister in San Francisco, like we didn't see Pedro as a manager before, no. but we've seen Brian Bannister address the Giants pitching, right? And and, and be the person that um, kind of sets the direction for the pitching, mm-hmm. hence the name director of pitching that he develops himself. Because mm-hmm. um, he says that in the transcript um, that when he first got to Boston, they didn't know what to call him. He was just kind of a scout. He was just kind of an analyst. Um, but then he got, you know, created his own title <laughs> and created director of pitching. Um, and it, he, I, I just, I'm really excited hearing what he talks uh, when he talks. Um, there was a quote from Jeff Passan uh, back from the ALDS of game three. Um, and he said, uh, and he was at the point, Red Sox VP of pitching development. I almost wonder if we're getting to a point where roles aren't defined. I'm not a starter. I'm not a reliever in the postseason. I get outs. Um, and I think we saw that in San Francisco. They are looking for guys to get them outs. If Logan Webb can get them six innings, great. If we need to go Sean Mania for three, Ross Tripling for three, then bullpen for the rest, great. But they are so good at developing pitchers and understanding, you know, what makes those pitchers excel. And that's why we see 
Gregory Santos and Nick Avila being castoffs of the Giants organization, and those players possibly being two pieces that the White Sox could have added to their Major League bullpen this year. Uh, they chose not to do that with Avila, but he's been great uh, in the Giants organization. And there was one quote from Bannister, too, where he says, um, and this is what got me most excited, um, on the pitching side, we say we're always the ones who set the tables and hitters have to eat our tables. It goes through trends. When I got to Boston in 15, uh, 14 and 15, we started leveraging high fastballs, more spins. Hitters didn't have a solution for it. It's because pitchers mainly been uh, pitching at the bottom of the zone with their fastball. They had to come up with a swing to handle the high fastball, and we were able to flip that in San Francisco and start sinking the ball again and leveraging some of the newer physics concepts to make that ball sink. And then hitters had to come up with a swing for that, so we're always setting the trends. That's great. I mean, hell, I want the White Sox to be the trendsetters. I want the White Sox to be on that front edge. And if that means a little less investment on the player side and more investment on the development side and the analytical side, I'm fine with that, honestly. If they don't go over $100 million for a player solo, that's fine. But as long as they keep a high enough budget to be outspending the AL Central and now having this development developmental side, I'm all for it. Uh, I don't know if... Yeah. Just one thing before we go to Vinny. It's... With Jerry Reinsdorf's well-established philosophy on pitching and how he's not going to pay a pitcher for a certain amount of years, he said 10 in the uh, interview, but it's always been established that he's not going to be really going for five years plus on pitchers. You have to employ a thing where you develop your own pitchers and have just also runs. Like Ross Stripling was an all right pitcher for the Dodgers, but they have taken him and the Giants and elevated him to the next level. Same thing with Kevin Gossman uh, with the Orioles. He was also ran. Went to the Giants, became the pitcher he is now in Toronto. Well, before with the Giants, now in Toronto. So if you're going to do that, you can do that with pitchers like Tuki Toussaint, the Jose Urenas of the world, and not spin and break the bank on them. And when it's time for them to actually cash in on a big-time contract, you can decide, hey, man, it's way too expensive. And we already have our own philosophy. We can develop most pitchers in our philosophy to be what we want them to be without breaking the bank for that ace pitcher somewhere else and then you would have a little bit more money to play with with your other acquisitions if you need a right fielder who's a big time money guy you can maybe allocate that money to him instead of going to the pitchers yeah herb uh, you hit the nail right on the head i think that's kind of what i was going to bring up is that the the two prongs that he talks talked about a lot uh, brian banster today you know take all of that philosophy that lower level stuff and apply it to the guys that have been drafted or are going to be drafted to create that long-term success and then we're talking about how is this team going to be even mildly competitive next year with all the stuff that they have to do well you just brought it up maybe they don't need to go out and get Aaron Nola or Blake Snell not that they shouldn't but you know you have Brian Bannister saying that his sweet spot is in helping guys who are coming off down years, guys who have lost themselves a little bit. And, you know, you can take maybe three, four, five shots, whether on small major league deals or minor league deals, and say, come over here. We'll, we'll give it a try to fix you. And maybe Brian Bannister can fix you. And, and that might be something that could help the White Sox compete a lot quicker than folks might be thinking. Um, I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen, but it is a roadmap maybe that the White Sox have at their disposal that they might not or might not have as much confidence in uh, without the guy who was talking to us today. Yeah, and I couldn't be more thrilled with this. I don't want to get too excited because I got so excited for Pedro, mm -hmm. but it does seem like Josh Barfield and Brian Bannister have been solid hires. They have been on the job for two weeks, so again, I'm not going to pat them on the back for uh, nothing they haven't done yet, but... Like my, my 
anxiety is definitely quelmed after hearing Barfield and Bannister speak. And I'm honestly a little bit more interested in what Chris Getz will actually do this offseason. Because now I'm kind of willing to give him a shot. And I'm interested just to see who they pull off the heap and who they think that they could walk next to and, and try to bring back from a, a bad year, uh, whether it be Bannister on the pitching side or wherever they uh, have in the hitting side to address that as well. Um, and hey, we, we might not see the, the end of hires for Chris Getz. I mean, you know, he might be looking for somebody who's on a playoff team uh, and, and might be able to snag someone away, uh, you know, after the offseason. So this team might not be fully completed from the front office side. And maybe Chris Getz has a, a grander vision that just can't be settled just yet not i'm i'm excited to see what it is because honestly we have no choice um but also the two guys that we've heard so far have been uh tolerable i'll say that no they don't want to go too much over the top very impressive and like <laughs> like i said with pedro winning the press conference is not what you necessarily aspire to do but if it was a thing these two have won us over and now i'm still very skeptical i know you are too sean and Vinny, that this will all work out because you're giving a first-year manager or first-year general manager this big-ass assignment. But hearing these two guys speak already, I just feel like the White Sox have made hires that I approve of, and it looks like they're going in a different direction than what they have in the past where they're just doing the same old moves, kind of inexpensive moves to see if they can win uh, a championship in the AL Central. Now it seems like, hey, let's get the advantage in our front office, the organizations build championships type of way where we have a system in our pitch lab. We have a system in our hitting lab, which I haven't seen yet, that produces actual good results because we have good studies and good uh, uh, people who teach the studies to do it in the games. And so if Brian Bannister has an extensive list of people that he has worked with and have improved after that. I'm excited, like you said, with him and Michael Kopech. Don't they have a history somewhere in their uh, time yeah, together? Yeah, spoke about it in the video, yeah. yeah. Uh, Boston, uh, before the sale trade. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, he, he was there since 14, and what, the sale trade went down at 17, right? Mm -hmm. Or 16? 16. 16, so he had about two years with Kopech uh, there. So, um, and, and again, we heard from Kopech today. You, not we, I wasn't there. Vinny heard from Kopech today and filmed it, and then I watched it. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll have more Kopech talk, because honestly, that's like the, the biggest discussion topic, I think, heading into 2024. We don't know if Yohan Moncada will be healthy in 2024. We just kind of have to wait and see. Can Luis Robert do this again in 2024? We'll just have to wait and see. Can Andrew Vaughn improve in 2024? We'll have to wait and see. But Michael Kopech... I think there's so many interesting layers to this. Will he be a starter? Will he be a reliever? It seems like Bannister is very high on him. Um, and then Kopech talked today about his knee and what was bothering him and how, you know, we brought up that this was an issue in 2022. Then it was an issue in 2023. It does seem like they have uh, attacked this cyst aggressively and have removed it. And hopefully uh, that means good things for his knees uh, from here on out. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. Second to last post game, though. We got one more on Sunday, then we'll be done for the 2023 season. That's Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Go read his piece at allchgo.com about what Chris Getz had to talk about recently about his plan for uh, 2024, what he knows about it so far, um, and also about the TA extension. Is there any final things that we might have missed from the uh, Diamondback series that you want to shout out here? No? Okay. Uh, Vinny's excited to go home before 4.30, I think. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Wall 23 He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. It's 4.36. 
we'll be staying here. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Uh, Herb and I got Big Ten After Dark at 6. Thank you to Sarah for producing it. And we'll see you on Sunday for Sox Padres for Game 162. See you then. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com